the Future of Field Service podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Nicastro. Today, we're going to be talking about Peloton's investment in field service as a strategic differentiator. I'm excited to welcome to the podcast today, Jamie Beck, Vice President of Field Operations at Peloton. Jamie, welcome to the Future of Field Service podcast. Thank you, Sarah. Great to be here. Absolutely. Thanks for being here. Um, so we're going to talk today about the, the Peloton field service story, and I'm very excited to do that. Um, before we dig in, can you tell our listeners a bit about yourself and your role with Peloton? Sure. Uh, I've been with Peloton a little over four years, uh, joined as the VP of field operations um, back when it was really just coming off of a pilot. Um, and so I've really been a part of the growth and the um, I guess the meteoric growth over the last few years. And in this role, I oversee our internal teams that do the delivery, um, repair, and refurbishment of our products um, to our members. Um, prior to Peloton, um, I spent some operational roles. I was at Fresh Direct, which is a large online grocer in the New York area. Uh, spent a little bit of time at Target and then spent time at uh, Cintas as well, the large uniform company, um, where I was in a number of different roles. Um, and then going way back, I was uh, in the Navy. Uh, was I did ROTC in college, so I, I spent four years in the Navy. So most of my career has been in the operation space, a lot of it in the delivery, both B2B as well as B2C prior to Peloton. Okay, very cool. So so you and I connected, Jamie, and, and talked a bit about um, the Peloton story uh, as it relates to service. And I love it because I think it is a really good illustration of um, a lot of the trends we see right now with with companies in all different industries recognizing the um, the opportunity that exists to use service as a strategic differentiator. Uh, and so so this story is is very representative of that. And I think it's it's a very interesting one to dig into, um, you know, how field service is such a valuable tool in being the face of a brand, right? So, um, so let's talk a bit about that. So, you know, you mentioned that you joined the company um, after the the decision was made to invest in in field operations and field service. So, can you talk a bit about um, some of the reasons that the company's leadership felt it was important to make that investment? Sure. You know, I, I, as I think back, um, there's probably three reasons I, that I think about. Um, and so John Foley, our CEO, um, you know, they they started selling bikes in 2014. And as we started to deliver them, um, one of the early, you know, important things as a company was to put our members first. Remember, you know, we call all of our customers members um, and really to, to, to deliver to them a great brand experience. And I think John took a look to say, hey, how can we make this delivery experience better than what we're currently doing? Mm -hmm. um, and so they started with, with a pilot uh, in the New York area in order to test this, this, this out. Can we, can we deliver better brand experience than what we're currently doing? Um, and so I think that's, that's the first thing. Mm -hmm. um, the second thing was we know that over time, um, these are big bulky products and they're, you know, they're bikes and they could break. And so I think the investment in field service was not only about the delivery, but I think thinking ahead to how are we going to service these, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and how can we control that experience so that our members have a great experience, not only on the delivery, but also on the repair and service 
so that we can get into their homes and, and fix them quickly. I often equate it to, you know, if your iPhone breaks, you take it to the Apple store. Mm -hmm. uh, if something goes wrong with your Peloton, you can't simply put it into your car and drive it to one of our showrooms. Mm -hmm. uh, we have to come to you. Uh, the third thing I think was, and, and I think this is, was John's you know, foresight as a leader was, you know, this is back in 2015 when this category was really just being created. Competition was going to come. You know, if, mm -hmm. if we're successful, competition is going to come. And so it's an investment in field operations. Um, you know, obviously there's, there's probably cheaper ways that we could do this, but we knew that by investing in this field operations team, delivering this great brand experience, being able to service and repair your products, it helps put a strategic moat around what we were doing as a business. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think those three things are you know, really what we thought about, what John thought about when we just started, decided to make this investment in field operations. Okay. So prior to doing this, um, the, the delivery and installation was handled by third-party providers. Is, is that correct? That is correct. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And so um, we, and we still use 3PLs today. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it's a, uh, a mix of internal and 3PLs. Um, we'll always have 3PL partners. Um, our relationships with our 3PL partners have actually probably gotten stronger since we've started our field operations team. Because um, we've been able to learn from each other. Um, but as we move forward, um, we'll always have those 3PL partners. And today, the majority of what we do uh, is done by our own teams. Mm -hmm. um, but we'll never be at a point where we're 100% field operations, whether it's in the US or any of the other countries. Mm -hmm. It's a good point, though. Having that function internally gives you the wealth of knowledge to help foster those relationships and, and train those third-party providers on, you know, what you're doing yourself as, as the field operations of Peloton and therefore what you would like them to do or what you would expect them to do. Um, that makes sense. And I think, you know, the, the idea of, you know, I think when people think of Peloton, they think of a premier, you know, exclusive product, right? So, desiring to provide a service that is on par with that brand perception, you know, makes, makes a lot of sense to me. Um, so, so those were the three reasons that, that, um, the CEO felt it was, it was important to do this. And, and that makes sense. Um, as I said earlier, you know, investing in, in field operations, um, seeing an investment in field operations from a brand like Peloton is, um, you know, representative of how we see businesses perceiving the opportunity around service um, and how they can leverage a frontline workforce in, you know, really being the face of a brand, particularly if, if it's a product scenario where, you know, you buy online, you know, you might, you might come to a showroom and you might have a face-to-face -face interaction, or you may buy online and not have that face-to-face -face interaction. So when that you know, delivery person shows up at your door, that might be the first face-to-face -face impression you have of the company you're purchasing from. So um, can you talk a little bit about, you know, with this investment and with the field operations team that you've built, um, what is the user experience that you desire to provide to your members? Sure. You know, and I, going back, I don't anymore because we've, we've, the scale has been too much, but I used to interview every field specialist that would be going into the homes. And I think the, the litmus test we would always use is, would I feel comfortable with this person coming into my home? Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, we, we still do that today, obviously at a much, much larger scale. Um, 
but it's it's one of those where you know you get the the branded van that pulls up um you get the the team um that that comes out of the van and, and they're wearing you know the branded peloton gear um athletic looking you know similar in line with what we you know promote around fitness um but then they walk up to your door um they'll introduce themselves with their name um and then they will you know walk the path but the first thing that they do is they'll ask, would you like me to remove my shoes before I come into your home? Mm-hmm. And it's all goes back to, you know, we're being invited into your home and we respect that. And we're going to treat it and, and, and respect it in that way. Um, and so whenever we go into the home, those are some of the things we do. Um, once we bring the product into the home, uh, into room of choice, uh, and the bikes are about 90% pre-built, um, we, we do that so that we can get good quality and test data. Um, and it also, we realized early on when we were delivering them in the box and building in the home, it wasn't really value add. And actually from a experience standpoint, it was uncomfortable, um, because does the member talk to us? Do we talk to them? It it just was something that we said, Hey, this is non-value add. Let's make sure that the time in the home is complete value add. So Mm -hmm. we'll, we'll bring it into room of choice. Um, we'll size them to the bike to make sure that the settings are correct, um, to that member. Um, we will have them get, you know, try on the shoes, um, and learn how to clip in and clip out. Because if you've never clipped out of a, uh, cycling shoe out of a, uh, out of the cleat, um, it can be difficult. And yeah, so, the, you and, want them to get stuck. right. <laughs> <laughs> Completely. And, you know, these are all things that we've learned along the way. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we do, um, customer satisfaction surveys with, with every member and we get a great response rate and things that we've learned. Um, we connect them to their Wi-Fi. We get them set up on their account. But we do little things too, like when they, you know, one of the things that the bike asks you during setup is to enter your height and weight. And so when it comes to that point in the screen, our team member will step away in a way that demonstrates to the member that we respect your privacy. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, at the end of the day, the the experience of the delivery is so that when we leave, you are ready to ride, and you know you can enjoy your Peloton from there forward. Mm-hmm. So, so I think those are really interesting observations. And I think that, um, you know, what you're describing sounds like you could achieve the, and, and, and you did achieve the function of, you know, delivering the bike and setting up the bike without doing that yourself. Right. I mean, it's, it's totally possible. Right. But this goes back to the concept of, um, investing in this field function as a way to differentiate the business. So when you talk about what you're doing, so you said, you know, the bikes are 90% pre-built, you know, you're not going there just to build the bike. You know, you, you can do a lot of that before you arrive. Right. But you're going there to provide a Peloton customer experience, right? You're going there to make that member feel valued and important and appreciated for the investment they're making, right? So a lot of the things you're talking about, you know, um, the interactions you would have with them, how it's tailored personally to to that person and, and how you you know, make them feel important in terms of let let us help you get completely set up so that when we leave your house today, you can get on and ride and, and, you know, get the full value out of, out of your investment. You know, it's really about using service as a way to, to reinforce, you know, that, that Peloton brand and, and the feel you want those folks to have from buying the product that you provide. Right. 
It is. It is. And it, it is about an experience. We, mm-hmm. you know, that's something we talk about. Um, it's not necessarily about the delivery. It's about mm-hmm. the experience. And I think one of the things that helps us differentiate that too is that the majority of our teams delivering our products have their own bike at home. Mm-hmm. It's something where a few years ago, um, our president, William Lynch, actually lowered the price of the employee bike mm-hmm. um, so that they could have it because it's so powerful when you walk into someone's home and they're asking questions and you can mm-hmm. say, well, hey, I was on my bike last night mm-hmm. and my favorite instructor is, is Robin Arzon. Mm-hmm. And this is my favorite type of class. Um, and it's really, it, it's more about that experience mm-hmm. um, because we know it, it, it's part of it. It's, it's the experience. Obviously, they're going to go tell their, their friends about it or their family to right. say, hey, not only did I get the Peloton, but let me tell you about the delivery experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how we think about it is, is a true differentiator to what we're doing. Yeah, that's a really good point. You know, if, if they can say, hey, like, let me show you this cool function. This is my favorite thing, you know, or to your point, this is my favorite class, my favorite instructor. Um, you know, it, it's a really good point. So I have a couple questions then about, you know, how you're preparing these frontline workers to provide this service experience, you know, so what type of, you um, you know, training are you giving? What type of expectations are you setting in terms of, you know, what they should be doing while they're there? And the reason I asked this, Jamie, one of the things that came to mind as you're describing this experience is, you know, you're really doing this to set yourself apart, not to, um, you know, quote unquote, turn and burn, right? Like you're not saying get out there and deliver more bikes, more bikes, drop them off, move on, right? Like you really want them to spend time and invest in providing that experience. So what, um, what resources do you provide to equip them to do that? And what, um, you know, uh, I guess metrics or, you know, objectives do you put around what you want them to be, you know, measured on in terms of their performance? Sure. It starts with hiring. I think, you know, we look for people, like I said before, that you would feel comfortable coming into your own home. Um, a lot of our employees, um, it, it, there's a whole wide range. We don't necessarily look for, hey, this is the prototypical you know, field specialist for Peloton. Mm-hmm. We have former Division One athletes. We have people that have worked retail. Um, you know, it, so it, it runs a lot, but it, it's generally just, it's, it's good people. It starts mm-hmm. there. Um, the training we provide, obviously, is, hey, knowledge about the product. Mm-hmm. But the thing that we don't do is we don't give our team a script. We don't expect them to go into the home and say, hey, you have to say this and then this order. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we learned that through benchmarking some other delivery companies because you could be going, let's say you're going through your script, but the member only is concerned about how do I clip out? Because I've heard mm-hmm. that clipping out is hard. And so they're going to be patient. And I think that's a key word that we've learned in the experiences. They're going to be patient with a member. Mm-hmm. Um, and in order to do that, they have to have the, the knowledge around the product and how it works. Mm-hmm. Um, which again is helped by the fact that most of them are owners. Right. Um, and if you're not an owner, we have our products set up in our warehouses. And so if you want to do a ride when you get back from your day of working before you go home, mm-hmm. you know, that's something that we encourage. Mm-hmm. Um, but they'll go in and they're, they're really, it's about listening to the member. And so I think it's as much as product knowledge is just customer service training mm-hmm. and being patient. Um, and it goes back to what you said. It's it's not about dropping off, you know, X number of bikes a day. Mm-hmm. We want every member to feel that they have all the time in the world. 
And so if you have 100 questions, we're going to stay there and answer all 100 questions, going back mm-hmm. to that goal of when we leave, you're ready to ride. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that we tell our, our team is whether it's your first delivery on Monday morning or your last one on Friday afternoon, that member should have the same level of experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, I, I, I think, going back to your question, it's obviously there's product knowledge there, but more important is how do you, you know, deal with members and be mm-hmm. patient with them? Mm-hmm. So, so a couple questions on that. So would you say that you hire more based on personality and the ability to, pro- to provide that customer experience or technical aptitude? Yeah, great question. I think more about um, their personality right now. I think, you know, and, and you know, um, obviously when we first started, um, it was a lot about delivery. It's still mostly about delivery. But the service component and the repair component and the field service component for us is only going to continue to grow mm-hmm. as we get products that are older and have you know more use in the field. And it's just the sheer number of products that we have in the field grows. Mm-hmm. Um, the amount of service and repair work that we have to do is, is increasing. Um, and so, you know, we sometimes we'll find people maybe that worked at a bike shop and have that level of service. But for the scale that we have been growing at, um, that it would not allow us to hire enough people if we just mm-hmm. looked at technical skills. Um, right. we, we can teach the technical skills. And so we, we you know, as, as we've grown, um, we have built in, you know, what we call our master technician courses that mm-hmm. allows that field specialist to um, promote into a role where now they can go into the home and they're not delivering anymore. They're just providing service. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've, Traditionally, we've looked for, you know, more personality, knowing that we can train the skills in order to do the service. Yeah. And, and that was, that was what I was expecting. Um, because I think that's in line with, you know, when you look at companies providing service to a consumer, um, I, I think that tends to be more the case, you know, it's more important to get the right fit in making them, um, feel, you know, the way you want them to feel while you're there. And once you leave and, and the stuff you're actually doing while you're there can most of the times be taught. Right. So it's, um, that makes sense. Now in, in terms of, um, measurement of performance, is that mainly based off of those customer satisfaction surveys then? Yep. Yeah. So we, we send out a survey, whether it's a delivery, you know, Mm -hmm. or a, uh, service or repair, um, and we have a very high bar, you know, we, we measured on a, a customer satisfaction, um, you know, on a five star scale, um, as a company, we also measure net promoter NPS, mm-hmm. um, of existing members. Um, but when it comes to our internal teams, um, we strive for a near perfect five. We're not there. Um, but overall, you know, over tens of thousands of surveys, mm-hmm. um, you know, we, we're at about a 4.92. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a high bar that we set and we have yeah. locations, individual locations that are sometimes a 4.97, mm-hmm. 4.98. Um, and our teams really thrive on that, you know, especially when, you know, if, if you see in the comments, you know, Hey, I got my delivery today while wow, I was blown away, you know, Jamie and Sarah did an amazing job. Mm-hmm. Um, our team, they, it's recognition and our teams love to see that. So we, mm-hmm. we make a big deal out of the success that our teams have. At the same time, we look for areas or trends where we can improve the overall experience for our members. Sure. Okay. That makes sense. Um, 
And I, I think it's interesting, you know, when you look at the employee engagement and how that relates to the customer experience, right? You know, promoting that culture of, you know, even being a part of something that is, you know, as elite as Peloton, you know, and, and, and feeling invested in, in being able to provide those experiences. You know, if you have employees that are excited about doing that and you promote a culture that rewards them for doing that, you know, that that's going to, um, to help them, you know, just be excited about showing up and, and giving that customer the, the feel you want them to have while they're there. Um, you know, you're not asking them to just, can you show up? Can you check these boxes and, and can you move on? You know, it, it's, um, if you, to me, it sounds like if you can find the right fit, like you said, from a hiring perspective, it's a job that would be really fun for, for folks to do, you know, because it, it's, um, you know, if they like engaging with people and, and they like that customer service uh, aspect of it, you know, they, they have great opportunities to be able to do that. Um, so, so you mentioned this, Jamie, that, you know, as you started with field operations, the focus has been more, you know, just the nature of the, the relative newness of the business and, and um, of the equipment, the focus has been more on the delivery side. So, I'm curious, you know, over time, how do you see the evolution of the service side of the business and and how do you see this investment in Peloton field operations as an ability to continue to differentiate? Sure. You know, it, it, the service component is only going to continue to grow. I think the biggest opportunity for us is right now we work in a more reactive or break fix service area, you know, so um, you're riding your bike, something goes wrong. Then you have to call into member support and, you know, we'll, we'll send someone out to fix it. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I think with, with the Peloton, obviously it's a connected product. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we, we have data, we know that, you know, how many rides you've done, you know, mm -hmm. we, every member that hits a hundred rides, it's called their century ride. And they get a t-shirt that, you know, they proudly wear that says, Hey, I've done a hundred rides. Mm -hmm. um, and so we, we have that data. Um, and I think where we're, we're going to be going with this over time is how do we get to predictive maintenance? Um, you know, we, because we know that, hey, this bike in this home has, you know, similar to your car, it's got 3,000 miles, mm -hmm. you know, and it's time for an oil change. And so how do we utilize that data that we're capturing to say, hey, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Member, um, we'd like to come out and do a, a bike tune-up for you mm -hmm. um, to ensure that you can continue riding. You're someone that rides every day. We want to make sure that you know you're not interrupted in any way, right? And right. I think that's that's the way that we'll be able to do it. Another interesting component, obviously, is you know how can they interact with us without potentially even getting off their bike? So through the touchscreen on the bike that enables them to you know access our full library of classes, is there a way just to you know contact member support? Mm -hmm. um, there are a number of things that we have in the bike where you can send data mm -hmm. um, from the bike to our member support team if there is something going on. And so those are all areas that we're exploring. But mm -hmm. I think over the you know coming years, that's where we want to get to is being able to make sure that people that want to ride or run every day can continue to do that because we're getting ahead of their potential problems before mm -hmm. they happen. Yeah. That's a good point. I mean, it, it's kind of, um, you know, if if it's it's the evolution of of service, right? So if you look at you know, hey, it it's great if people call us and we're there quickly and we fix their problems quickly and and they have a good experience while we're there. But 
you know, what's even better than that? You know, what's next is how do we, how do we predict those issues? How do we get ahead of that? How do we, you know, prevent them from even happening? Um, so, so that makes sense to me. Um, so, um, you know, as, as you look back at your time, um, with Peloton and, and, you know, the huge potential that, that exists for the, the field, um, operations division with the company, you know, what's the thing you're most excited for, um, you know, in, in the future? Yeah, I think, um, our growth has been crazy in a good way. Um, and I think that, um, COVID is obviously, you know, we're, we're one of the few companies that I think is, um, has, you know, in a way, um, grown even faster, um, due to, you know, what's going on right now. Um, but I think what I'm most excited about is just the, the way that we continue to innovate as a company, you know, and I think that's at our core, you know, it's not just about innovation in, um, products or content. It's how do we innovate with, um, field service as well. And so I think there's a lot of opportunity to, uh, continue to innovate, you know, whether it's predictive maintenance or using, you know, the, the internet of things in order to, to make our company more successful. Yeah. And I, I mean, 2014, it, it's a relatively young company and, and it's, it's a hugely known brand. I mean, the impact that you guys have made in, in a relatively short amount of time is just staggering. Um, you know, the other thing that's interesting is if you look at the current situation that we're in with, with COVID, I know that, you know, home fitness stuff has been one of the, you know, industries that has been, um, positively impacted by, by what's going on. And I'm sure that, you know, that, that creates some, some craziness for you all, I would imagine with, um, trying to keep up with that demand, but, you know, it, it's giving you a chance to expand the footprint even further and to to have, you know, a, a bigger customer base from which to consider how do we innovate? How do we expand? You know, and you're right. I think the the opportunities are, are really significant. So um, it's a it's a very cool story and a very cool uh, company to, to be a part of. Um, last question I wanted to ask you, Jamie, is, you know, with your time at Peloton, um, you know, leading the field operations function, what's the biggest lesson you feel you've learned so far? Yeah, great question. Um, you know, when I started uh, four years ago, I was the VP of field operations. And today I'm the VP of field operations. Um, my team has gone from maybe 20 people to 2000 people, though. Mm -hmm. And so even though my title's the same, my roles and responsibilities have changed a lot. Um, and I think, you know, one of our value statements as a company is to hire smart creatives and get out of the way. Um, and we talk a lot about empowerment um, at Peloton, um, especially within the field operations team. And it, it goes down to if you're a field specialist delivering a, a product and maybe you don't have the answer, um, but you know what, it's a good decision for the member. It's a good decision for the company. and It's a good decision for you. Then, then make a decision. Don't, you know, I think the worst thing that a member or customer wants to hear is let me check with my manager. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, the, the biggest thing that I've learned as a leader is to really step back and empower your team and trust them. Um, and I think that goes not only to helping the member, but it really helps our team as well. You mentioned before engagement of the team. When you empower teams, they are so much more engaged and they are, you know, doing what you want them to do and more. 
And I think that's that's the biggest thing I've learned is as we've grown and scaled, um, putting people in positions that can do that and just continuing to step back um, and let them lead at, at their level uh, has been the biggest lesson. And I think it's going to be critical for us because our growth is only going to continue. Um, and so making sure that we're we're designing for that for the future as well. You know, it's a really good point that you just made. And it makes me think about how earlier you said that you aren't at all prescriptive with what you want your um, field team to do on do or say on site, right? Like you want them to accomplish the objective of making the member happy and having them ready to go when they leave. But how they do that is up to them. Um, So you're not prescriptive and you empower them to make those decisions. And I think, you know, as we look at how do companies leverage field service more strategically, those are two really important points. You know, it is hard to provide the type of customer experience you're seeking to provide if you're trying to tell someone exactly how to do that. Here's what you should do. Here's what you should say. And making them feel that they can't problem solve on their own or, or they don't have that empowerment to make decisions and, you know, not fear repercussions for, for you know, acting in the member's best interest. I think it's, it's not only important to consider how that approach benefits the customer experience and therefore Peloton's ability to use service strategically, but also you know, for you to hire those type of people that you want to hire, giving them that freedom to, to be themselves and, and to do that job the way that's natural to them, as long as they're accomplishing those goals. I don't think you could get those people and then be prescriptive with them. I don't think they would be happy, you know? Um, so, so I think those are really, really good points for people to consider. You know, I, I think um, if you look at companies that have historically had a field service function, a lot of them are coming from a school of thought where it's very efficiency, productivity driven, and therefore it is prescriptive and it is get in and get out and do more and do more, right? And, you know, those employees oftentimes don't feel empowered to be themselves or to make decisions. And I think that you know, there's there's something from the Peloton story for those people to to learn from today's discussion, which is, you know, how do we evolve our thinking around what our service function means and, and how do we think more strategically and, and how do we empower those folks more? So I think it's, um, you know, I've really enjoyed having you, Jamie. I think it's an interesting story in, in a lot of ways. Um, I really appreciate you joining us and, and sharing it today and would certainly love to have you back in the future and, and talk about how that, that service um, part has evolved and, you know, what's new and, and what you're learning. So thanks again for, for joining us and for sharing. Awesome. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks for having me today. Absolutely. You can check out more of our content by visiting us online at www.futureoffieldservice.com. You can also find us on LinkedIn as well as Twitter at The Future of FS. The Future of Field Service podcast is published in partnership with IFS. You can learn more about IFS service management solutions by visiting www.ifs.com. As always, thank you for listening.